This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. I need to do more. I need to do better. He is the founder of the We Got This Movement in Milwaukee. Let me welcome to the show Mr. Andre Lee Ellis. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? I, too, sing America. Mm. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh, eat well, and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed, for I, too, am America. That's Langston Hughes. But Andre Lee Ellis says, on the block where I live, I am the change that needs to be. On the block where I live, I'm helping to make the changes that the people need to see. Hello, Miss Karen Hunter, and I'm honored to be here. Man, Mm. when I heard about this story, so there's a zip code in Milwaukee that Mr. Causey writes about. It is supposed to be the worst zip code in the country Mm. to raise a black boy. Mm. And tell me how you found Mr. Lee. Ellis, Andre Lee Ellis. Tell me how you found him, Mr. Causey. Well, first, let me tell you about the zip code, uh, 53206. 53206, I actually was born in that zip code. And uh, Andre Lee Ellis Garden is uh, actually uh, two blocks away from where I grew up on 9th and Keith. And um, it's where my parents bought, rented when they first moved here after they got married. And it's a, it's a zip code that's in transition. It has a higher incarceration rate high poverty and things like that, but it also has a lot of love. And I actually found uh, Mr. Andre um, years ago. Uh, We crossed paths, and I heard about what he was doing with a garden, but you hear these garden stories all the time. But his garden is different than any other kind of garden that I came across because his garden is actually changing the lives of of black boys Mm -hmm. like I've never seen before. And so my wife actually started volunteering in the garden because she was actually robbed at gunpoint working at a credit union. A uh, 14-year-old boy came into her, the credit union, wow. gun with a banana clip, pointed it at her. She froze. And from that point on, she was afraid of black boys with dreadlocks mm. that look like that. And it set up a point where she couldn't work anymore. And she decided to try to fix herself by volunteering, working in the garden where uh, Mr. Andre works with black boys like that so she could overcome her fear. She started telling me about the boys in the garden. She said, you know, you should come up and see what it's, what it's about. And I went up there and I saw magic happen. All right, let's take us back to the magic because that's when I said, I'm in love with this man. His spirit, his energy. I, we need, I need to scratch him, get some DNA so we can duplicate him. Tell me about the story that you told us last night of how this started. We, we moved, my wife and I moved into uh, the 53206 zip code right on 9th and Ring in 2008. And, and eleven, and at that time we were on a we were we were experiencing some real problems when it came to money, so we had to move into a zone where it was known to have high drug trafficking, right on that block where there was a lot of um, domestic abuse. Five three two zero six has the highest amount of sex offenders of any zip code in our city, so it's even mm. hard for kids to go trick or treating. Mm. And so when I moved there, the first week that I was there on the block where I live, I went across the street to the corner store 
to purchase something. When I went back into the house, as soon as I closed the door, six grunt gunshots rang out. They were so loud and so vivid that I froze in my track. I thought somebody was shooting at me. I'm like, is this the welcoming committee or, mm. or what? Because I had been out there cleaning the streets and kind of getting to know the neighborhood. Well, when my wife ran from the kitchen and we saw it wasn't me, we looked out the window and there laid a man dead in the street. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I went out on the porch and I watched him lay there in the cold for about four hours um, behind the yellow tape as his family and others, especially little kids, ran fast as they can to see their loved one for the last time. But they were met at the yellow tape only to be denied mm -hmm. to see somebody that they love. And at that point, I thought, we cannot live in here. But next to me was an empty lot. It had two tattered boxes and some other wood put together. And that day I learned about compost bins and raised bed boxes. Prior to that, I didn't know because I asked the kids, I said, well, what is this supposed to be? And the little girl put her hand on her hip and real jazzy. She said, it's supposed to be a garden, but don't nobody never grow nothing in it. Mm. And I thought then I said, well, when I said to the kids, I said, well, maybe we need to take our hands off the trigger and put them back in the soil. Therefore, started working in the garden. I began to call everybody together. Whenever we had a problem, I put some hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill, turn on the music. When I got them there before we prayed and eat, I'd give them the mission, and the mission was to stop the mess that we had to take care of it. June 2014, a mother frantically rang my doorbell. When I tell you frantically, it was frantic. I, it was about 3.30 um, in the afternoon, and when I went to the window, she was screaming that the police were trying to arrest her 11-year-old boy, Jermaine, because he had been breaking into cars and the houses. He was a terror in the neighborhood, but I just couldn't see an 11-year-old becoming a felon for something that could be corrected. Probably by the time he's 14 or 16, he's going to be way different than that. And so I listened to her, and I asked, well, where's Jermaine's father? And she said, we don't know him, Mr. Andre. I just need your help. And so out of my mouth, I just said, don't worry about it. I'm coming down. We got this. We got this. And so I came downstairs. We went to the police station station, talk with the liaison officer. I got him really hyped and excited. And right then is when I made probably my most forgiving moment with Jesus Christ, because I made up something and he took it and ran with it. And I said to the officer, well, you can't arrest Jermaine. He's only 11 years old. And Jermaine is the first recipient of a scholarship that Come I'm giving now. out to work in the garden on Saturday. He got to be there by eight o'clock, Jermaine. If you're late, you can't work. And Jermaine is looking at me like, this man is good. You know, he had no mm. conversation with me about it. But I said, I'm going to pay you $5 an hour. You're going to work, and I'm going to teach you. And the officer got so excited. He said, I love this idea. I need to go talk to the captain. What's the name of your organization? I didn't know what else to say. And I looked at him, and I said, well, we got this. Mm. Therefore, it came the Saturday that Jermaine showed up in the garden at 7.30 a.m. I could hear him out there rambling around. Jermaine worked for four hours. He worked so hard. There was one point in the workout that Jermaine looked up at me and he said, Mr. Andre, can I tell you something? I said, what is it, Jermaine? He said, I'm not as bad as they say I am. And I said, what do you mean, Jermaine? He said, everybody that tell me what not to do, do worse than me. So I don't know what else to do. And then he looked at me. He said, until today, Mr. Andre, I paid Jermaine his $20. Later on that day, I saw Jermaine walking down the street. He had on all white and it was all clean white. It was, he looked like a cloud floating around. So I rolled up on him and I said, Jermaine, wow, you look good. What's happening? He was so excited. He said, finally got $20, Mr. Andre, to go skating. He said, I took $5, and I went and got a haircut, and he rubbed his head on the side to 
showed me that he looked good. I could tell he had washed his face because it was shining and he had put some Vaseline or lotion or something <laughs> on it. And then Jermaine said, the other $5, I'm going to take the bus there in that bag. He said, and with the other $5, I'm going to pay my way in and you get to rent your skates. He said, and with the other $5, I'm going to buy a hot dog and a soda. And, and, and I thought that, wow, he knows how to count. He knows financial literacy. He's got some hope. Well, the next Saturday, this booger come to the garden with five other dudes <laughs> that he done went and told. He know an old man in the garden. We just got to work for four hours, and we can make $20, and we can go skating. They work the next Saturday. Ten boys showed up. The following Saturday, 15 boys showed up. And then the next Saturday, 34 boys showed up. And they were all there before 8 o'clock. I didn't realize it. But that particular Saturday, I made a rule. I said, they coming too fast. Because the first Saturday, when I got the five boys, I didn't have the money. So I said, how am I going to pay you all? You know what? I got 5,000 friends on Facebook. Put your fist in the air. I'm going to take a picture. Mm -hmm. And I took a picture and I put up a post because I believe in my people and I said I need five other black men to show up here by five by 12 o'clock and bring me $20 so I could pay five little eager black boys that were willing to do something honest to make a living by 12 o'clock seven brothers showed up but you know what's strange the very next week when 10 people showed up everybody showed up I did a picture and made a post but this time they weren't all black people they were everybody it was all kind of people by the time it got 34 people we put a picture it's been seven years and all we ever do is put up a picture on the Saturday in the summer and no matter whether it's 80 or 100 boys, we ask people to show up with $20 and listen to me, America, the world. It's never been a Saturday where the people didn't show up. We have no debt and we operate that way and, and the little black boys hope it has increased. One Saturday, I had 100 boys in the garden between 12 and 16 years old that had to all be there by 8 o'clock because when it was 34 boys check this out I thought I, they coming too fast and people aren't going to keep giving I got to figure out a way for them to um, be turned away at the gate so I don't get too many I said you all got to be on time Whoever's not here by 8 o'clock can't get in and I said 800.1 is late the next Saturday I had 67 black boys between 12 and 16 years old show up at that garden before 8 o'clock, and they were all on time. There were only two boys that came after 8 o'clock. None of this was promoted. It was simply the young men and whoever just spreading the news. When I had 100 boys in the garden, I asked a question. I am so excited to welcome Bombas to my podcast bomba socks the best socks in the history of feet they even have yara shahidi doing a unite sock you can go check that out did you know that socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters well bomba socks were created to change that for every pair you buy bombas donates a pair to someone in need bomba socks are soft not just pretty soft more like made with the softest cotton in the world soft and they're all built with extra cushioning so no matter whether you're walking the dog chilling at home, saving the world, you'll be comfortable. Bomba socks provide support in places you didn't even know you needed it, like the arches. Even every sock is built with a special arch support system that is so supportive but not too tight, like a nice hug but on your foot. And you ever notice that annoying toe seam most socks have, that little ridge on the top? Bomba's got rid of that. And from now on, it's just smooth sailing all the way across the top of your foot. You do a lot of different things, so Bombas made a lot of different socks, like dress socks for work, 
performance socks for working out, and even a limited edition holiday socks. That's the Merino wool socks. Merino is like regular wool, but magic. They're soft, warm, and naturally moisture-wicking, never itchy or rough, and you know that person who's just a gift enigma, completely impossible to shop for. Bombas is the gift that every person will love, and everybody will love it. So go to bombas.com slash Karen. I call these bomb-ass socks. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Karen. K-A-R-E-N. To 200 little black boys between 12 and 16 years old who showed up at 8 o'clock to do something honest to make a living. I said, how many of you don't know your dad? 90 of them raised their hand. How many of you know your dad but still don't have a relationship with him? Another five. Out of 100 little black boys, 12 to 16 years old, who showed up at 8 o'clock on time to make $20 to do to make a living, they could have made far more selling drugs. They could have made far more robbing somebody, but they decided that they wanted to do something honest and earnest with their life. It was at that point that I said to them, I don't have to be your birth dad. I'm your earth dad. Mm. I'm Pops. Come to me for what you need. It was that day that we were cleaning the streets, and I had about uh, a, a bunch of them on the street, and we were talking and talking, and we were cleaning the streets, and a paddy wagon showed up. There was a, well, actually what happened was we were cleaning, and I heard a voice say, hey, what you guys cleaning up, bullets? And when I looked back, it was a Milwaukee police officer. It bothered me. And I asked him, did you think I was 15 bent over or something? You see all this gray hair? You're just going to talk to the kids. The boys went ballistic. They were upset that we're doing something honest. We're not even doing nothing wrong. And look at what they think of us. And I said, stop. Don't fall for it. Mm. Be still. Pops is talking. We got this. It's a strong, strong thing. Seven years later, we own the land, the vacant land. Seven years later, we feed the people in the neighborhood for free. Everybody can come eat for free. Seven years later, we own two lots. We're bringing manufacturing to the garden, building hoop houses. The young boys are building furniture. It's just so phenomenal when you get them there. And these are some of the terrors in the neighborhood that become some of the heroes in the neighborhood. So we got this is here. I don't know how much more you want me to tell. You but can keep, you, can, you can do the whole three. Andre Lee Ellis, James Causey, thank you for your piece, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm... God brought me there last night because I was wavering on whether or not I was going to host it because I don't host things. Yeah. This is what I do for a living. But it was, you know, it was about journalists. And I don't think enough time is spent uplifting people who are out there getting these stories, doing that work on those streets. We are in an era where journalists are being demonized and vilified. And there's an era of, uh, where people aren't really doing the work anymore. And, and newspapers aren't putting the money into investigative stories or human interest stories because they don't have clicks and algorithms mm. that bring in money. Right. Mm. right. But this is important. Well, well, it, yeah. And this came about uh, partially due to a fellowship I received from USC Annenberg. And so I have to give them a shout out because they I wrote a proposal talking about the program and they say, yeah, we will fund you and we'll give you the mentorship to help you do the project. So one thing my company did, though, the Journal Sentinel, is they allowed me the entire summer to work on this. It was like the only thing I worked on. 
and I you, was you, you turned into me. I did. I turned into. I did turn into <laughs> you. you. Did. Because actually, I was. You know, <laughs> you as a reporter, you sort of have to shield yourself yeah, and pull you, back. There's a wall. Yes. Yeah, but um, after the second week, I was all in. Where I was actually mentoring the, the you, taking them out on walks. And one part that Andre hasn't mentioned yet is the uh, how he deals with trauma that a lot of these young men are facing. And um, after after they walk and clean up and and all this kind of stuff, he has his he usually has a question that he wants uh, the kids to talk to with their mentors in small groups. And it could be anything from what's going on in the community to violence to what they're dealing with. And when we go into these small groups, that's when it really gets deep. Um, one group in particular that I remember is when this young man was talking about the violence that he experienced in his life. And he said he actually witnessed his cousin get shot. His, his cousin was shot right in front of him. And he said that him and his mother, they ran inside the house and they had to hide in the basement under dirty clothes because these boys that killed his cousin came in the house looking for him. And they were searching for him. And he, he just, even to this day, he, he still fears that they may come and get him. And this only happened like two years ago. Mm. And, man, just listening to that at that point in time, it, it sent shivers through me but but I talked to him and ironically our sheriff was there he he came to visit and he was listening in on our Well he group. was running for office at that time I yeah, think yeah. yeah and he came to visit and he shared his story of trauma uh, our sheriff is black um his name is Ernell Lucas and he told the boys about what happened to him when he was a rookie uh p- police officer or actually in his second year he was shot in the face Mm. and he talked about back then we know so much more about trauma than we knew then and this happened over 20 years ago and he talked about you know how they sent him home and they basically a guy would call him every day and say so how are you feeling you ready to come back to work you ready to come back Mm. to work and what it came down to is like you either quit or you come back and he said he wasn't ready to come back because he said he would watch television and he would see like you know, a lot of shooting shows, gun shows on on television. He said every time a gun was pulled out, he would like, yeah, get that fear, and his heart would start racing, he would start sweating. But he went back to work because he had two little babies that he had to take care of and a wife, and he went back to work not even ready to go back, and had he had to face that trauma head on. That was twenty, thirty years ago. These kids are dealing with the same stuff now, and it's amazing how they how we cope but we put a lot on our kids but this one thing that i like the most about this program it gives the kids the opportunity to talk about that trauma to to and be listened to because i i think a lot of times we expect our kids to just uh, get over it but this program allows that listening time for kids and it's, it's powerful if they never get a chance to speak up no one will know that they even needed to be heard I'm happy to welcome Ritual to This is Karen Hunter. It is amazing to have a partner that is so innovative. You know, I'm all about people being healthy, wealthy, and wise, but you can never really eat enough kale salads and drink green smoothies to get all of the nutrients that you need. So Ritual is obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm than good, 
Two, easy-to-take tablets provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. And it's really fun, too. So check it out. From D3 to Omega-3, Rituals Essential for Women helps fill gaps in our diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on the stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most omega-3s. But they have a lot of products, and all of the products are vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients, and the sources are out there for the whole world to see. I mean, literally, you can see what's in the pill. You can see it. It's little. You can see everything that's in it. So check it out. Subscriptions are easy to start. They deliver every month, no strings attached. And with your first three months, you get 10% off when you go to ritual.com slash hunter, ritual.com slash hunter, 10% off your first three months. And they have a right to. How are you going to blame somebody who ain't never been raised? How are you going to blame somebody who watched three generations of grandmama, great-grandmama, and mama and them drop out of school and go work at the temp service? And how are you going to blame somebody who was never taught to read or how to, 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 to write or how to do math? Here's what it is. When you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach him the fish, he'll eat for life. So what I do is... I take the little black boys who never had a chance and I give them a, a, a little bit of hope and a little pride. And the one time that they accomplish something great and phenomenal in their life, they turn into 3.0 students. So if you want them to get better, you got to show them that they need resources. Don't keep begging the government and other people because the old African proverb says, if you build it, they will come. And that's all we simply did. We started building it for them, and they're coming. Andre Lee Ellis. Um, I was last night, I didn't, didn't say this. When I was listening to you talk, I said, it only takes one person. Again, we spent a lot of time, like you just said, begging people to do things. There's somebody listening right now in a community right now that needs you to step up to do something. No one asked Andre Lee Ellis to do what he did. He saw a need and he met it, much like many of us in our communities when we just step up because no one else is there to do it. And we always expect someone else to do it. Maybe that someone else is you. Now, you may not have his spirit, his personality. You may not have his get up and go. But there's something you can do right now to affect a positive change in your neighborhood, a positive change in your community. There's something everyone listening to my voice can do. Maybe it's not that. And you didn't know how to garden, Mr. Ellis. I didn't, know, I didn't want to. I didn't <laughs> like it. I, I wasn't even eating that way. And I wasn't real crazy about kids either. But I, <laughs> I, I, I knew that I didn't have a dad. I knew that I had questions. Mm. I knew that they shouldn't be out there alone, and I knew that they might not get the opportunities that I had. And when I said that about being the Earth Dad, it's really true. I go to school with these kids. I go to court, and I stand up in the middle of court, and I shout out when judges say, hey, you can't do that. I said, I can if you go look at my website. Mm. And then they usually Google. He got a computer right there, and they look, and then they see, and they give me a chance. So now I'm the gardener at the Juvenile Justice Center. Mm. And where I get to work with the young men immediately, and I and I was I was ready to quit that job because I said I don't need to teach them how to cope in here. I need to be waiting for them when they come home so they don't come back. So just last week they wanted to readjust what that that job description or what that looks like so that I could do more work 
out here where they are. And listen, America, I want to say this to everybody. Everybody can clean up. So you want to get it going on on the block where you live? Go outside, start picking up the trash. No, there's if trash. It, if it's know. already clean already, then go to another hood where you know it's trash yet and pick it up. Karen, can I tell you one other thing? One time Absolutely. my wife and I, my wife and I were going out to dinner and we were dressed up. And I had on the suit. And so so little Malik, who is like a little, I call him little Obama because he got these ears. He looked like Obama, and he always got these questions of statement. What you all dressed up for, Mr. Andre? And my name is Andre. Uh, Andre, Mr. Andre. He always elongated it. And then he, and I said, Malik, we're going to dinner. In a suit? Who get dressed up to go to dinner in a suit? I said, you can and it bothered me. We were out at Carson Steakhouse. And the whole time I said, he should be able to tell my wife. It almost looked like we were arguing. I was like, he should be able to go out in a suit and tie a tie. And so I went to the manager of the restaurant and I said, you know what? Who owns the restaurant? Get him on the phone. We need to shut this restaurant down one Saturday. How many people can fit? They said 100. I said, I want to bring 50 little black boys between 12 and 16 years old in tuxedos here to have a dinner. And I told my wife, I'm going to go home, put a, a post on Facebook. I went home that night, man, and I put that post up. I said, I have 50 little black boys that want to put on a tuxedo and go to dinner. I need 50 men to come forward by 12.38 a.m., 37 men has stepped up and within two weeks we had all of the 50 done we we went and did the dinner it was phenomenal and now it, it's grown so big that it's become the 500 black tuxedo event we've done it this is going to be our fifth year we're doing it um and and it's grown so much that the little boys the young men i don't like calling them boys but the young brothers are coming to me and saying well get to put on a tuxedo i remember last year malik and a few of them wanted to wear tuxedos to their graduation because they wanted to be better than that they wanted to be better than what the just the news and the media called them but let me tell you one thing i like about the news and the media had it not been for james causey and many others we get good news and good press for what we do. But had it not been for James Causey coming in there, spending the time that he did turning into an earth dad, and not only writing a story, but rewriting the lives of little black boys that were told and only saw on TV images of what they couldn't be, but are now told that you can become a pilot, you can become a doctor. When I told them about the agriculture per program through the United States Department of Agri Agriculture, America, know this, it's, it's federal. If you have a child that wants to go to college and they attend a historically black college or university and they choose a career in agriculture, if they maintain a three-point grade point average between ninth and 12th grade, the United States Department of Agriculture has a program where they can go to college for free. Everything is paid. Fees, books, they come out not owing nothing. Don't get mad if you got to build. Just, just be happy because they're going to rebuild. You know what I mean? It's really exciting. Well, if, if I could just say this too, though, you, you hit on a, a great point, Karen, about volunteering and, and, and doing the work. Volunteering, it takes a lot of work and effort. Oh, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. There's there's absolutely. only so many Andres in, in the world who, who do what he does. 
However, a lot of people, they, they want to know how they can help, what they could do. You know, maybe it's the $20. Maybe it's to coming down there and volunteering with the kids. But, you know, it's usually easier for people to just give the $20 because that's easy. They don't have to come down there and deal with the issues that these boys have. They don't have to get their hands dirty. But really, the only thing Andre needs and the only thing a lot of these boys need is time. They I just need that. your time. But there are neighborhoods throughout this country that are like this neighborhood. And if you don't get your hands dirty now, they're going to get dirty later. We all live in a neighborhood. We all have kids in the neighborhood. And if we don't claim those kids as our own, they will become our terrors. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to us. And, And maybe we don't have the time, but I don't have the time to deal with the crime. How about that? I'd rather catch these kids in the build so that I can have soldiers so I can have participants in building a community, so I can have people that are invested in the things. Because I know if they're planting things in that garden, they're responsible for that. And if you're picking up trash in the neighborhood, you're mad when people throw trash because now you're responsible and you're connected to it. And again, you're right. You're right, Mr. Causey. We don't have the time. But I think we don't have the time not to do what he's doing. And I know, well, yes, you can go to his website. We got this, mke.com. We got this MKE from Milwaukee, but I know there's something in Miami. I know there's something in Cal- in, in Watts, in Compton, in Oakland, in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I was going there. Yeah. Newark. Yeah. All throughout this country, there are places like this, Virginia, Richmond, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, D.C. Wherever we are, yeah, Wherever we is. are. Come on. So wherever we are, <laughs> listen, uh, this is a challenge to everyone. Are you doing enough? Are you happy and safe in your neighborhoods? Mm-hmm. Are your kids doing the most? Because it may not be gardening. Maybe it's an after-school African-centered uh, program that you do every day. Maybe it's coding. Maybe it's, you Maybe know. Maybe it's listening. Oh. One of the Look, things that you. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I've been. So as you all have been talking, I've been taking copious notes, as is my, my habit. And one of the things that we often do when it comes to these types of stories, particularly when it comes to young black children, is we myth we create a mythology around the person whose idea it was. So we would take someone like yourself, Mr. Lee, and we would say, oh, well, he, or Mr. Ellis, and we would say, oh, he was just so phenomenal. He knew how to reach them. He was charismatic. He knew exactly what they wanted without recognizing that everything that you've talked about is really if I were creating a checklist of best practices and how to meet the culturally culturally based education needs of black children, pretty much everything that you talked about would show up on the list. So we have your wife, Mr. Causey, who was traumatized by our own, right? So that's like a classic example of like some of the dynamics that go into creating these situations. And so she seeks therapy in the land, which is a very African descendant people thing to do. Understanding our connection to the land, our ability to connect with that, to produce food for our people, yes, but also just the, the I almost call it a spiritual presence of having your hands in that dirt and being able to grow something that's soil yes so so we see so that's the backdrop from and that is a very common backdrop that is a very common story and what happens and you point out the little girl who puts her hands on the hip and kind of tells you well it's supposed to be a garden but ain't nothing growing in it that to me really speaks to the perception of our children and the fact that they will be able to see and analyze dysfunction even when we don't know to speak it and when they're everyone else is walking by this empty lot that has sort of been a part of the background that everyone sees every day sort of like a message you pass every day you kind of ignore it after a while but the children are able to key into our dysfunction in ways that even we as adults may not be verbalizing and then you talk about breaking bread with these children and using food which is another thing we are a gathering people 
So I'm, I'm, for y'all who are listening, this is not just wonderful, awesome things that Mr. Andre Lee Ellis did. These are best practices and how to reach this population. Because if I'm serving you food and I'm meeting one of your most basic needs, there's a level of trust that's going to be developed there, which is important for people who have been taught to hate who they are. So all of this, breaking bread with them and creating the institution before the crisis. So before you get called into court, before you get called into what's happening, you've already created the institution, which is not reactionary. That's something we often do. There is a crisis, we react. There's a crisis, we protest, we form an organization that is only sustained by our ability to react to how white people have set up terms and conditions for us. But you created the institution before the crises hit, so that by the time the crises hit and the mother says, I need you to go down to the court to save my child, there's already a safe space for that child to be funneled into. And then you've got marketing, because you advertise with your picture on Facebook, you tapped into your own network, you're compensating the children. A lot of times we don't think in terms of them getting something out it's of it beyond. It's their first job. Yeah, it's the first job. And you're able to see the math skills they have or don't. That $20 is going to get stretched a whole lot farther than it would be if they hadn't actually earned it. You've got collective funding, so the rest of the community is responsible for sustaining it. We talk about that a lot with Hebrew schools, our Jewish brothers and sisters, who don't need government funding for their program for their babies because the community is able to respond. You've got the elders involved. You've got discipline, decency, and an order structured into the program. There's on your part, sir, as the journalist, a lack of neutrality, right? And I'm not willing to just stay on the sidelines. I can't just report this. I am invested in this, and so my blood, sweat, and energy has to pour into it. There's ingenuity with the fund. I mean... I could, we could write an entire checklist of best practices, and I'm reminded most powerfully by that quote that a child who does not feel the warmth of the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And that, to me, sort of says what is happening as the norm. You get me on fire, girl. Good, listen, we, we could make Karen. How much time we got? They don't have a lot. Let me just, just go to, say this Listen, real he's quick. going to. They're going back home. I oh my god! If you don't listen, mm. then you're going to be silent. Mm. Two words that are spelled with the same letters, mm. but very few people know how to do both wow interesting mm. and i tell little black boys that were told what they would never be check this out recently i had about 30 white students come from white marquette university into the garden and and and, and i questioned them all i said what are you what are you studying well, i'm gonna be an urban doctor i'm in urban medicine i'm in urban psychology everything was urban and we all know that urban can be cold <laughs> words in government for black and brown children right. and so i said well i got a question for all of you all that are urban what school or college can i go to and get me a degree in suburban anything mm. who teaches me how to keep white people poor because black people being poor is a part of a budget That's and right. when we change the budget you may have to go back to school acquire more debt because you got to get another degree mm. and i say let's teach them to go do that because you should have did the research before you went and got the first one and if you're going to get a degree in urban anything make change in the narrative and come down there not feeling sorry for people but just giving where you live give where you live mm -hmm. is a good philosophy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay what happened to Jermaine Jermaine um, struggles still Jermaine right now is um, trying to finish school he had had some prison contact but he just recently came and said I'm tired mm. I want to do something different and 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 we're gonna do that we built a fruit orchard across the street from the garden and it has seven fruit trees six of them are committed to six black boys that we lost to tragic deaths mm. um, within the last few years while we had the garden they were either affiliated with the garden at 
one point or another. But there's one special tree at the front that is committed to Miss Argery Ruth Smith, who is a 91-year-old woman who died recently of dementia. But she loved coming to the garden. My grandson, Peanut, would read to her and play video games on the phone with her. And the family said that when they would take mom home, that she would be relaxed and happy for the next four to six hours or until she fell asleep. And she always remembered the garden. So we have a spot for her in the garden because we want people to come over where we live and we want them to feel good about it. And you don't have to come and, 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 and think how or why your loved one died. It's just tragedy and bad. But you have a place where you can come and speak to them and you can come and remember. And if we don't create those spaces, I believe right. God left some plots mm. for the things that we will have not. Mm. Let's go make something happen in those spots. I don't know where you came from. You are an angel, uh, Andre. I, I came from a 90-year-old woman that had 14 children, 72 grandchildren, 59 great, and 13 great great. And I came from a phenomenal woman who couldn't really read or write, but she learned how to clean up the houses of white people. But she also knew how to negotiate and make them pay her enough so that some of her kids could go to college and they could become better than that. And to this day, most of my brothers and sisters and us do whatever we can to help our mother. She wants for nothing and a nursing home will not be her demise mm. wow I love you I love you too James Cosby <laughs> Thank you. If, if I could just add this too um, one thing you know Andre is is telling you about who he is but I got an opportunity to see who he really is he's the kind of man when a, a kid shows up at the garden and has looked like he's been in a fight Andre's gonna pull him to the side and have a talk to him Andre is the kind of man who's going to put his hand on your shoulder and talk to you like a dad when you need to be talked to like a dad. But he's also going to put some discipline on you as well. He's had to kick a few kids out of the garden for breaking the rules and, you know, because you can't save everyone. But, but they can always come back. But they can always come back. I was going to get to that point. I'm sorry. There, there was, a, there was, a, there was a op <laughs> something happened at the garden I, that I reported on. It was this young uh, uh, kid who came to the garden late one day. And he already had an ankle bracelet on, which those things, the ankle bracelet was just as big as he was. Mm. <laughs> and um, Andre told him, you know, wait outside the garden and I'll talk to you later. Um, later on in the day when all the kids got paid, because the way Andre uh, pays the kids at the end of the day after they're fed, every, all the volunteers and stuff line up in a line and he pays them $20 and all the kids have to, they shake the volunteers' hands and then they leave the garden, which is a beautiful take on, in my opinion. Anyway, the little boy who was waiting outside the garden, who ate that day, ate pizza that day and had fruit as well, snatched $20 from one of the kids who worked all day. And he ran with these other two boys. That set Andre off. That I never seen Andre set off like that before. The other boys chased the boys who, who stole the money and brought them back to the garden. Andre went looking for the other boys, and, and, and by the time we got everything situated, mothers got involved talking about my kids, your kids stole a bike, and it turned into all this other mess that could have exploded. And, you know, we get these kind of explosions yes. in our neighborhoods yeah, all the time over mess. because it's always something else, though. Mm -hmm. Over mess. It's always something else. The bottom line, Andre settled everything and everyone went home happy he told somebody look you don't you don't negotiate with no kid over no bike you too grown for that here's your twenty dollars here you give this twenty dollars back i want you to apologize to him and all this kind of stuff 
at the end of the before that weekend was over, the boys involved in that situation apologized to Andre, and they came back to you know seek his forgiveness. He eventually led him back in the garden, and a boy that I'm gonna call him ankle bracelet because just right. so you know call what I'm A B. He got that ankle bracelet off that summer, and he turned out being in my group because I was hard on him, and he turned out being one of the best kids. He was just – I'm not saying he was completely reformed, but he needed somebody who was going to be on him, and I was on him hard. And um, I, I learned a lot about myself participating in the garden. I as do a lot of volunteers learn a lot about themselves as well. Are you able to institutionalize it such that, sir, as you continue to age and as, as we are to five hundred one C three now. Wow. It has a board of director. Wow. If we don't give it foundation and give it endowment right. and make it something but for a moment, right. I am here. Mm. Once I'm gone, what are you gonna do with what I left you? I tell mm. the little boys, I may not be here with you always, but I have a strange voice that settles in the back of your head. And whenever you feel trouble and you want to miss the Andre answer, just sit down and listen. Be silent. The same six letters. And listen. And that voice in the back of your head going to come forward and you're going to get a Mr. Andre answer, even if you got to make up one, because he ain't never going to tell you nothing bad. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Mm. Can I just say thank you? Thank you so much. Thank you for your piece, James Causey. Continue uh, to stay in touch with us, too. And what's your next piece that you're working on? I'm working on a huge project with the O'Brien Foundation at Marquette University. So, so I'm an O'Brien Fellow for the next uh, eight months. And I'm finding out programs or best practices in other states and trying to bring those back to my city of Milwaukee. How can people support you? Um, just tune in. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Facebook at uh, James Causey. You can follow me on uh, Twitter, J uh, Causey. C A U S E Y. Yes. Okay. I'm easy to find. Yes. <laughs> and you, Mr. Ellis. Hey, Karen Hunter, thank you so much. I, I saw you last night, and when I first came in, you were standing in the hallway with a lady, and you were talking to a man, and I said, Ooh, a sister. And that's a real sister, too. I could look and tell how you was moving around <laughs> and how you was grooving. And I said, Praise God, but I want to thank you. Um, for noticing whatever God showed you and inviting us in. But I want to say to my city, Milwaukee, and I know you're listening, it, it ain't that hard. It ain't even just only me. You all know I deal with this heart condition, diabetes, high blood pressure, but I ain't never going to stop until I ain't never going to stop. And I'm going to say that to you all. We're going to work harder, smarter. We're going to get it done. But James Causey, I want to say it's in front of the world. Every newspaper, every article that is written anywhere, that they should allow you and other journalists to write the stories. Because if you can't write it down, you can't sell it. Hear me, young people? You got to learn to read and write so you can sell your stuff. So thank you to all the journalists that, that, that sell it and make it happen for us. And stop listening to the news and go read something. We got this. Mm. We got this. Andre, Lee Ellis, James Causey, thank you guys for being here.